I really like the Voyager conspiracy a lot. I, I did too. I think, you know, what's interesting about this season of Voyager is that in a lot of ways, it feels like the show is becoming increasingly bored with itself. Yeah. But it's, instead, instead of, instead of just telling us the same stories over and over again, it is deciding to just do really random batshit things. And this is a week which features Seven of Nine becoming a conspiracy <laughs> theorist and a paranoid delusional. And Pathfinder is not a Voyager episode. It is an episode about the adventures of Reginald Barkley. Yeah. And, you know, you can have a lot of opinions about these two episodes, but I I mean, just looking at it from that point of view, I think you have to give a little bit of a standing ovation to Brian and Braga and the rest of the writers on this show for for really just like committing to what they're doing. Yeah, no, they're kind of ballsy episodes and they're episodes which do come from a place of almost hostility towards Voyager again. No, at, at at this point, nobody was really having a great time, uh, to say the least. And this is a show that they're, they're. I don't know. I I think the craft services people were probably okay. That, that, that's true. I mean, whoever Port Neelix is overworked, he has to provide dinner for the crew and every day. Um, they wouldn't that be funny if they hired Ethan Phillips to actually do the cooking? You know, like he was hired to because he knew how to work a walk. Um. I mean, it was a UPN series, and I don't think that they had... They weren't doing very well at this point, so it's very possible that they were making Ethan Phillips do double duty. Yeah, but uh, in, again, instead... Of, the it, it almost seems like Voyager Conspiracy takes that ire and turns it against the show. Um, this is an episode which we've... This is an episode which takes the worst criticisms of the characters of Janeway and Chakotay and deconstructs them and says, these all could be, either these people are kind of fuck-ups in a lot of ways, or they're actively evil. If you want to look at it in the most negative light possible, it could be either one of those things. Now, of course, this is Star Trek. We know the reasons that Janeway and Chakotay make the decisions that they do is because they're human, because they... Uh, don't have complete information because they're going from a, uh, a, 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 an impulse or a place of anger or whatever. But this is a show, this is an episode which takes the most negative interpretation of these characters. And again, that's a ballsy thing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think that in a lot of ways, the Voyager conspiracy is an episode of Voyager that is about the, the fan and the fan reaction yeah. to the series. And Yeah, this seems like... Know, Star, Star Trek fans are, are very, very famous, of course, for, for being as pedantic as possible and for interpreting certain things with... You know, with evidence that that, quite frankly, or information that, yeah. quite frankly, doesn't support uh, uh, those those uh, conclusions. And... I think. I mean, we we did the JFK movie by Oliver Stone for our July patron special, which is still available at yeah. patreon.com slash show if you want to go and listen to it if you give us $5 a month or more. And I find it very interesting yeah. because this episode is almost a repudiation of that where it, it, conspiracy theories are essentially people grasping for straws, coming up with an explanation to fit facts that, that may or may not uh, fit together in any way, shape, or form. And... You're right. Like it does really tie into how people, and by people I mean fans and people watching the show, have interpreted the character of Janeway or interpreted the character of Chakotay or whoever. 
And and of course, Seven comes up with two completely different explanations that are, quite frankly, I mean, it, you know, we know that it's not true, right? Yeah. Like, because that's not what the show is going to do. And we have w- been watching this show for five and a half years at this point. We know that Janeway is not secretly in league with Starfleet Command to invade yeah. the Delta Quadrant with the Cardassians. We know that Chakotay is not secretly there to do whatever you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Not, not true. We've seen their thought but, processes, which lead to all of this. This is uh, the, the the show cannot support this amount of retcon. Yeah. And what I what I find so interesting or so fascinating in the ways in which this this episode in particular handles that is the Janeway stuff is kind of played very seriously because it's an escalating tension, yeah. right? Like seven of nine, she found the photonic fleas. It it was great. Everyone was on board with that. She was applauded for the whole thing, and everyone was like, "Wow, that was that was a, an amazing yeah. bit of deductive reasoning." Seven, you're 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 a genius. And so Seven, of course, being the person that she is, takes that that like accolade to, to heart and really just kind of thinks that she can do no wrong, and increasingly makes these bizarre accusations. And what I like about it is that the first accusation she makes is is taken very seriously. I mean, Chakotay actually does take it seriously. Yeah. And I don't know if that completely works. Like, I think it works for the episode. I don't know if it works for Chakotay as a person necessarily, which we can talk about. Well, it's... But then what happens is that she essentially, like, says the exact opposite thing to Janeway. Yeah. And, like, Chakotay is in league with them because of the Maquis, and he's going to use the caretaker array to bring the Maquis back and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, okay, now we know that she is just... Yeah. She's got a problem, essentially, and I I really appreciate that. This episode is a very interesting take on something that we have noticed in the entire franchise, which is that, and something we've commented on a lot, which is a character says, hey, gee, something weird is happening, or I think this is going on, and the other characters will take that seriously, even if they are accusing somebody uh, that they're very close to or very high up. They will at least investigate it because it's worth it's worth finding the reasons why this is actually not happening. And so, of course, Seven of Nine comes to Chicote, has all of this evidence. Yes, it's all circumstantial, but you know, Chicote finds an easy way to delay things for a few hours to just to buy a little more time to find some merit in that. If it turns, it's worth that delay in order to get everybody's peace of mind and clear Janeway's name. And same, even though Janeway believes that Seven of Nine's evidence is ridiculous and just a a house of cards and nothing, she still does want to check it for her own peace of mind because even if there's a point zero 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 one percent of doubt, that is worth worth that's worth shutting down at least. And you know something? Seven of Nine isn't doing this to cause trouble. She's not doing this. She genuinely believes this. She has genuinely looked at the evidence. Maybe she is seeing something that Janeway is not. Like, they do take each other on faith, but at the same time, then, I find it funny how that dynamic works with Chakotay and Janeway, who trust each other, believe each other implicitly, know that this would never be the case. And... The scene where they're both in uh, the cargo bay and they're 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 trying to front on each other is hilarious because it lasts all of two minutes before they drop the facade and they're like, "Look what's going on!" 
Right. Well, I think that that I, I agree with you to some degree, but I also disagree with you because Chakotay and Jane, we don't trust each other implicitly, and that and that is is part of what makes Voyager a lesser show than TNG uh, or fair. DS9 because episodes will elide certain character relationships or character traits in order to tell the story that they want to tell. And we have seen Chakotay. I mean, the, the, the genre of scene in Voyager that Chakotay hangs back from the staff meeting with the senior officers and yells at Janeway for a decision that she's making and Janeway stubbornly doubles down. And as it turns out, Chakotay was right the whole time. You know, that that's a staple of the series at this point. And that is something that we have mentioned many times. And so I don't think well, it's true that Chakotay and Janeway trust each other implicitly. Now, well, does does that necessarily matter for the episode? I don't think so, because all of Chakotay's disagreements with Janeway are about substantive matters, not about uh, uh, her her character yeah, yeah, right, yeah. as a person. And and the the sort of like conspiracy theory that Seven of Nine puts out, especially about Janeway, is really about her character as a person. Because if it was true, this would be entirely antithetical to yeah. the ideals of the Federation and Starfleet that she you know took an oath to to uh, defend. And and so I'm okay with it, but I do I do just want to not elide that yeah, yeah, yeah. information. But I guess maybe it's not that they do trust each other implicitly, but. The fact that I think deep down they both feel that they should. I mean, Janeway and Chakotay know that they are going to disagree. They know that they're, they're that Janeway is going to make decisions that Chakotay is going to urge her not to. But they also know, and they have to admit this, that Chakotay is not going to mutiny. He's not disagreeing with her because he's really working for the Maquis and he's doing this way too elaborate plan. He's disagreeing with her because his morality s- in- interprets the situation to be done this way. And he's not going to do that by a mutiny. He's going to do that by hanging back and talking to her about that. They know this. And so, yes, they may not completely see eye to eye on everything, but they also know they are on the same team. And this degree of of a conspiracy is not the case. But isn't it interesting, though, that when Chakotay is presented with Seven's elaborate conspiracy theory about Janeway, yeah. that the person he goes to is Bilana? Of course, because if this is true, he can't trust a Starfleet person. And also, to who else is he going to? Bilana and he do have that particular understanding. So it does matter that... It, when you talk about implicit trust, Balana does have that from Chakotay, and it is true. They work together in the Maquis. They have worked together for a longer period of time. They've been on the same side the entire time. That wasn't necessarily the case with Janeway, even though they are now. Yeah, because I, I, I mean, the episode very smartly uses those those fracture points uh, because, like, we know, of course, that Chakotay and Balana and the rest of the Maki crew members, if they're not yeah. dead, because we haven't seen them in years, um, they are not going to mutiny, right? Because yeah. they they they've been on the ship for five and a half years. I mean, even if they wanted to, I don't think they would get yeah. very far. Yeah, once but, Seska's but out those of fra- the pic- but those fracture points are still there. You know, Chakotay, when push comes to shove, he is going to go to someone that he mm. trusts more implicitly than a random, you know, Starfleet crew member. And 
I mean, I think that also links up very nicely with Pathfinder in a way, because of course, in in Barclay's holodeck recreation of Voyager, Bellana and Chakotay are still wearing their mock yeah. clothes. Yeah, that's true. Um, I was, I am very surprised again that you told me that Voyager has the reputation that it drops the Maquis stuff because it's been seeded through the whole thing. Voyager doesn't forget about its continuity as much as its reputation is. No, I completely agree with you. Like, I think that the, it definitely could use it better, and I don't think it's a good. Exa- I mean, this is it's it's it, this is an outlier episode. But to be fair, but it is using a ton of deep cut continuity here. And again, subtle stuff like the everybody in the Maquis outfits in the next episode. The show does remember its history and does. Uh, again, it knows that its fans are nitpicky and it is going to at least try sometimes. Yeah, and I and I think that that, that is certainly something that we'll talk about when we get to the, the end of the series because you're right. Like, the Voyager Conspiracy and Pathfinder both show that this series has not forgotten its own continuity, has not forgotten its own history. But at the same time, I do think that Voyager doesn't respect yeah. the continuity and doesn't respect the, the character development. Like, the thing about Voyager is that I think it's a misplaced, it's a misplaced or misunderstood um, criticism of the show that it doesn't remember what has come before. It does. It just doesn't care if it doesn't yeah. serve the, the the particular episode that they want to write. If you know what I mean. Yeah, and there's a difference between uh, the show remembering the Kazon and name checking them, and uh, between having a consistent view of Janeway's character through the whole se- series, for example. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think the other the other thing that's interesting about the Voyager conspiracy particularly is that you know, this this very easily could have been a seven episode, but it's not, right? Like this is a Janeway and Chicote episode. This is about their relationship, which is obvious because we've been talking about them for, for fifteen minutes. But I really think that that I wish the show would have done more with this relationship. I wish yeah. the show would have done more with this because I like the fact that this uh, the episode starts out with them having dinner. Yeah. This is obviously something that they do from time to time. I don't know that we've seen them do it before. I don't necessarily remember it. But I think that that's really what, um, you know, part of what is so difficult about Voyager is that it doesn't have the same sort of the same sort of recurring set pieces that other Star Trek shows did. Like, you know, like we have Garrick and Bashir having lunch, for example, we have, uh, the poker game from TNG 10 forward Voyager doesn't. Yeah. 10 forward. I mean, Voyager doesn't really have that in the same way, which I think is, and they kept trying to make it happen. I think that that's what the, you know, escalating different series of holodeck scenarios that the crew would hang out in until they got bored with it and would change it were about. They never really found something that worked. And I think that's a real missed opportunity for the show. I think yeah. these Chakotay and Janeway scenes are very nice. And the two actors really play off each other very well. And I wish that they would have had more of those dinner scenes with them, frankly. Yeah, it's something that could have been peppered in throughout the series. Just as every so often Cisco invites everybody over to his house for dinner. You know, they, they, I buy that Chakotay and Janeway have been doing this the entire time. Again, maybe not every night, maybe once every few months, maybe when something stressful has happened. But 
And they do have a very lived-in dynamic together. I mean, she's not... uh, They're very comfortable. She's very comfortable having him over. They're very casual about, oh, I replicated this. Oh, we're having... You know, this is nice, you know. And it it could have been easily done. It could have been done with that bit more care. This seems along the lines of how Voyager has never really been great at having a back cast. Um, Yeah. It doesn't really think that much about the day-to-day and what's going on uh, outside of that, just as, uh, again, we're coming off of DS9, which kind of knew where its characters were when they were off screen, and with TNG, which which was good at pretending that it did, here it just suddenly makes up the idea that, oh, yeah, this whole time that they've been having dinner. Right. And, and, and we just buy it. I mean, that's, that's really what yeah. it comes down to. You know, sure, I buy this. Why not? It's well, episodic television. We can do an amount of buying it that way. But, again, if we want to talk about where TV is today and how it handles its continuity and developing out of shows like this and out of DS9 um, – I think this is worth mentioning on that lines. This is the, these are things that writers would look at and say we can do this better. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I guess the I mean the other thing I want to touch on is you know I don't think it's really worth critically engaging with the substance of of Seven's conspiracy theories because they're conspiracy theories and she's apparently delusional in this episode because she is. Um, but what is interesting to me about this, like you said, that, that Voyager is able to use its deep cuts when it needs to, is this goes back to the very pilot of the of the series. You know, yeah. this, we see footage from that episode. We see um, the caretaker array again. We 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 have Seven talking to Neelix about what happened and the investigation that Seven is going on and how she is accusing Tuvok of doing this and how she is accusing Janeway of doing this and how she is accusing Chakotay of doing this and. I know that that I disabused you of, especially early on in the series, of really kind of expecting it to go in any one particular direction, especially in regards to the caretaker array. But now we have it coming back, and I think it's interesting. Like, I don't – I just like the fact that Neelix is so willing to just hand over his sensor logs to Seven, is willing to help her out. She is able to build a really elaborate case against Janeway, but at the end of the day, it doesn't amount to anything. But it's just interesting to me that the series doesn't forget where it came from initially. Yeah. Um, so, so, so my question, they, the one thing that they never really go into, they see this tractor beam thing. That's never really explained, is it? No, it's not. I mean, you could kind of take it as a plot hole. You could kind of take it as maybe the series is is leaving that for a future episode. Yeah, I mean, I assumed that somebody just happened to be monitoring the area, secretly did it, and then it did make its way through the series of trades that is mentioned towards this one guy. But, uh, again, circumstantial. It could be just a, a random scavenger. It certainly could be, and I think that the implication there, I mean, it's a little bit of a retcon, of course, because yeah. I don't necessarily recall that the Ocampa homeworld that the caretaker array was uh, orbiting was like a hotbed of activity in terms of, of, of space travel. Um, yeah. You know, so you kind of have to hand wave that away a little bit. But it is it is interesting. I mean... The show doesn't necessarily do anything with this, right? But but it remembers what has been happening. And, you know, Janeway's reaction to 
the idea that there might be this might be part of the caretaker experience to to coin a phrase like is really interesting because she immediately goes to to 10 right and she's like oh wait the second time we encountered a a caretaker we almost died and the first time we were thrown yeah. halfway across the galaxy and this is not good and if this is true we need to look into this and yeah, yeah, as yeah. it turns out no but it, it's all just kind of like fascinating that in a lot of ways i mean you could take this as a analogy of how to build a television series yeah and I do really like that uh, this gate is – it's not too good to be true. Uh, if, if this was something that was going to immediately send them home, it would be very suspicious. But as it were, it only shaves off a few years. And that's very possible. And in a way, that kind of – at least the first part when she's accusing Janeway makes that all a little more plausible because it does see this does seem like a possible trap. It does make sense. It it looks very camouflaged as a trap, or it could be just a legitimate thing. They did meet a guy who built this thing, and that's all it is. Yeah, for sure. Well, the last thing that I think I want to mention about the Voyager conspiracy before we move on to the wondrous, rapturous experience that is Pathfinder, ha- uh, and I am not being ironic there or sarcastic um nomi wildman once again you know yeah we, we criticized this series for not having a, a secondary cast or even a tertiary cast a, you know a, a bench of characters that they can break out i think naomi wildman at this point has had yeah, more character development than harry kim and huh. uh i don't know i like the fact that seven and her they're continuing to develop that relationship yeah, and, and and that Naomi is very good for Seven as well. I like that they are making that very clear because she is the one who explain who teaches Seven that yeah, you do need to take breaks and play all the time. I think it is funny that the most successful back character is a child. I don't really like kids on shows, and you know, cute kids and robots is a is a shorthand in science fiction for the part that people usually don't like. So good for them for getting it to work. And yeah. I loved her. Your father was this. How can I trust you? P- part. That was fun. Yeah. And I actually think that was really smart. I'm glad you mentioned that brief moment because that I think is the, the, yes. that's the moment when the episode, when the episode is trying to tell us that there is something wrong with seven. Yeah. No, yeah. If you were, if, if anyone in the audience wasn't sure at that point, then now they know that she's just going crazy. Yeah. Poor, yeah. poor Seven. Poor Seven. She, she, this is another time where she does an experiment that she should have told somebody because she probably would have got an authorization. The doctor should be there to monitor and make sure everything's okay. We should have Bolana looking at this as it's going, kind of a thing. But again, in an ep, but in an episode about the characters remi- reminding themselves that they need to trust each other. Maybe it does make sense that she begins the uh, episode with a kind of off-book experiment. Yeah, I think so. All right, well, let's move on to Pathfinder. But before we do that, I do want to take an opportunity to remind you, yes, you listening to this, that Truckabout is listener-supported. Please go to patreon.com slash truckaboutshow. You can check out our reward tiers if one of those interests you. You can donate to us monthly. It supports the podcast. We thank you very much. Once again, patreon.com slash truckaboutshow is the place to go to give. All right, let's talk about Pathfinder, which um, I'll just lay it out, Richard. Uh, I love this episode, but (laughs) what the hell did you think of this? Well, you know I don't like 
Barkley, and <laughs> and I don't really that... like Barkley either. I find him uh, annoying and off-putting, but maybe that's part of the point. I don't know. But this, uh, these two episodes do have a lot to say about fandom because. I mean, Voyager Conspiracy is kind of making fun of weird alternate fan theories. I mean, Crack.com, it, 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 that's a stock and trade. That's a that's a geek fandom thing. And in a way, this is Barkley – this is dealing with a self-insert fanfic in which you, the writer, get to save the day for, for, for the cast of your favorite television show. <laughs> I mean, the, 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 this is a Mary Sue fanfic. I – think it's really funny to see because we've seen a bit of this in the x-files to see shows begin to play with early fan fiction tropes as they become kind of aware of the fans doing this i think yeah, it's I mean, really funny yeah because this is this is a probably the star trek series more i mean even deep space nine i mean deep space nine was around for for internet fandom of course but i don't know how yeah. much any of them were paying attention to it but this is really, really when the internet was starting to take off. I mean, we're talking about what this is the year yeah. 2000 now. So, yeah. Everyone it's, who's it's, watching this has a home computer now. This is the era in which that became a lot more affordable. Right, exactly. And people had the internet. That's when the internet really started yeah. to take off. Um, well, yes. And I, th- <laughs> but I don't know how far to take that, though, because. <laughs> well, it's it because it is. At the end of the day, it is a celebration of that. Barkley actually does save the day, and everybody does really make him an honorary – and everybody does really make him an honorary member of their crew. If it's gently mocking that, it's doing so from a place of love. I mean, this is not – this show doesn't – this episode doesn't hate the fans. It finds what they're doing a little strange, certainly, and weird, but – Ultimately, it's happy that they're having fun with it. Yeah, because, I mean, this might be a bit of a stretch, but hey, this is Truck About, and that's our stock and yeah. trade. Let, I mean, let's let's take this back to TNG, right? And and let's look at Hollow Pursuits, the first episode that Barkley appeared in. And I did not do any preparation. I am completely going on this from memory, but I, I know Star Trek like the back of my hand, so I'm very confident that I am getting this 100% right, that... Barkley was a character that was introduced because they wanted to kind of turn the the sort of like happy TNG family on its head a little bit, yeah. right? And this was a character that didn't fit in. And the TNG crew was, frankly speaking, a little mean to him. Uh, and that was an episode that was really about Barkley coming to terms with that and showing how somebody could be outside of that. And then, of course, as the show went on in his more, you know, his other appearances in the show, uh, Realm of Fear, for example, where he had his little transport yes. thing with the monsters, et cetera, et cetera. He became part of the family. He became part of the TNG yeah. crew to the point in Pathfinder that when he says he decided to leave the Enterprise, he feels like he lost his family. And... I mean, we have not talked about the elephant in the room, which is that Deanna Troy is back, but yeah, which is completely bizarre for so many reasons, but I love seeing (laughs) her in this episode, but it is the case that I think, you know, Barkley leaving the enterprise, leaving his family, right. And then getting sucked into trying to contact the Voyager in the Delta Quadrant. And this is something that's been going on for a while. Barkley was in yeah. that episode from the, what is it, the third season where the Doctor was, yeah, he, I mean, it wasn't actually Barkley, right? It was, if I'm remembering correctly, it was sort of like a weird situation. But 
in any respect, Barkley was in that episode, and that was the first sort of like, what the hell is this show doing with Barkley? Like, why is Barkley in Voyager? And what's interesting to me about Pathfinder is that Barkley is once again in a situation where he feels very uncomfortable, and he is once again lapsing back into hollow addiction, as Deanna Troy says, and he once again is adopting a holographic family right yeah he feels very comfortable with the voyager crew and it's very fun to see the confident barkley come out uh in those scenes with the voyager crew uh yeah wish fulfillment of what he thinks they're like but what's interesting to me about all of this is that and this is sort of a meta commentary on it which is that one of the criticisms we've had of Voyager is that they're really selling this idea of the Voyager crew as a family, but they're doing it by telling us and not showing us. And this is almost like making fun of that in a way where yeah. the, the, you know, Barkley has this Voyager family that feels very much like a family, but it's a holographic representation of what he thinks they're like. But in reality, they're not really like that. And I don't know. There's just, I mean, I don't know how far to take that, but I just find it kind of fascinating in a way. Yeah, well, it's certainly his impressions are, he he is a man who doesn't quite have the proper view of reality, I guess. Um, I mean, I guess part of the question is, why did he leave the Enterprise if he was so comfortable there, if it was such a family thing? And Well, it was blown uh, up. Did, oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess that would make him want not want to stay back on it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it crashed on a planet. Well, yeah, but I mean, there's a new one, right? There is, but I mean, you know, if if would Barkley want to stay? I mean, that was probably it for him. He was probably like, you know, yeah, what? Right. I'm going to go back to Earth now. Like, this is enough for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, I guess I wonder to the degree which. Because I knew Barkley was in Voyager, and I had this worry that he was going to be a main cast member like O'Brien was. In other words, he was the one that they promote in. Or even just a very secondary character who just happens to be in the engineering somewhere, and every so often there's a Barkley episode, as he did in TNG. I've been very glad that that's not the case, but I do wonder how the how Barkley would have fit in on the real Voyager, because the Voyager does have a bit more of the crew of misfits kind of thing. Uh, yeah. He, it, it, part of the reason that he had a difficult time on the Enterprise is that the Enterprise is the best of the best, and he has a bit of imposter syndrome. He's anxious around people who are more dynamic than him, and it is a big prominent position somebody who does have anxieties would have a difficult time adjusting to that at first something like voyager which is a, a lower stake ship i wonder if he would have done better on i don't i don't know because i mean i don't necessarily want to turn this into a conversation psychoanalyzing barkley but i think that what pathfinder makes clear is that barkley is not i mean like, I'll just be blunt. I don't think, I mean, Barkley needs to be in therapy. Barkley needs to be medicated yeah. or whatever the hell, you know, 24th century Federation medicine can do for people that have social anxiety. I, I don't know. But yeah, at the very like, least needs to see a counselor every week. I mean, it does suggest that a purely psychological uh, thing works on him with Deanna Troy, but he needs a counselor that he sees weekly. Yeah, and we'll definitely talk about Deanna Troy because I, I find her in this episode to be fascinating and sort of problematic. But 
I, I think that that well, a lot of it for me is that Barkley gets very attached to people that he yeah. not only doesn't know but literally can't meet. And yeah, that indicates to me that he might be doing even worse than he was when he was on the Enterprise. Yeah, what I found fascinating about I mean, I loved the detail that Neelix and Seven of Nine are not in his hollow recreation, be, just as with the Maki thing, and he wouldn't know that they've changed uniforms. Uh, I think when the doctor made his visit over, Seven wasn't even on the ship, and no, uh, nobody, ha- even though he know, knows Neelix's name, he's never seen a picture of him. There's nothing in the Starfleet databases about him. Uh, right. And so that Neelix, in a way, is the biggest enigma about Voyager, and it's the one that he names his cat after. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really true, actually, because that was one of the things that I was thinking about watching the episode again, is that, you know, yeah, we don't see Neelix because he doesn't know what Neelix looks like, and the show doesn't want to go down a road of having Barkley create a look for Neelix. I'm sure that they yeah. don't have the time or the money for that. But it, yeah, I think I think on a psycho psychoanalysis level, it's interesting that he picks the name for his cat, for the person that, that he doesn't know, has an information, doesn't even know what he looks like, right? And I... I mean, I could see Barkley getting very obsessed with this. I can see him wanting yeah. to, because in a lot of ways, I think the Voyager crew and he kind of feels attached to them because they both feel lost in a way. And I wonder if, I guess it's a good time to talk about Deanna in this episode because A, uh, I kind of intimated that she was, going to appear in the show yeah um and i'm just kind of curious like what 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 did you think about that because <laughs> i i love her as a character and i'm always oh, happy yeah. to see her but it was so weird it's just so weird right like this is such a weird episode of star trek <laughs> voyager <laughs> yeah and i get i guess it's just because the series has the, the franchise has had a weird relationship with its past next generation took forever was very reticent to show uh other characters from the original series and when it did it was always a very big moment um ds9 ds9 had a much more comfortable relationship given that it had picard in the pilot given that it made o'brien and Worf main characters um but i don't know it's it's very obvious that it's Deanna Troy, if you know what I mean. Like, the, the, there, there's a... It's a weird show to put... Epi- to, 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 this is a weird show to do a characterization of Earth, right? Because Earth life is something the franchises use very sparingly. So to show us a series that's actually... A scene that's actually taking place in the day-to-day life on Earth and seeing... You know somebody's apartment, even if he is a star, somebody working for Starfleet. It's it's a little unusual and it's striking and it's an interesting special effect in that way. I mean, I liked it. It certainly made me interested to watch the episode. Yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, this is an episode about Star Trek. This isn't even an episode about Star yeah. Trek Voyager, which I find kind of fascinating. And I don't know. In a lot of ways, like Voyager is the the series that both stands on its own and and doesn't because so much of it is relying on past information that we have and even past characters. I mean, 
I, I think yeah. that, that we just have to step back for a second and just really look at how like insane this episode is. Like hmm. here is an episode of the series that, and this is very true. I mean, this is like 1159, for example, which, um, you know, created this entire backstory for, for Janeway and sort of featured this like 20th century ancestor of hers and told this sort of like WB drama episode story for 45 minutes instead of telling us a, an episode about a story about Voyager. And, and in a lot of ways, Pathfinder is, is that too. It's like, oh, well, all right, we're just going to do this random thing and just go back to the Alpha Quadrant and revisit two characters that we haven't seen in years um, just to tell this very bizarre story. And yeah, on that level alone, it's kind of like ballsy, but I I also think that like it's a little problematic because I enjoy seeing Deanna Troy a lot. I enjoy even seeing Barkley, even though mm. I find him a little off-putting. But it, it, it's a because little I know a lot. I know a lot more about Barkley than I do about Harry Kim, and I right, know a right, lot it, more about Deanna Troy than I know about even Tuvok. Yeah, because it's like Barkley is like, oh, you feel very warm towards Barkley. You definitely feel warm towards Deanna Troy. And it yeah. just makes the rest of the cast like not pop in comparison. Like, <laughs> I, I, it makes me want to see the, epi- the the show in which uh, the sitcom where it's Barkley and his life and Deanna Troy and uh, their adventures. Like, I want to see their day-to-day mundane drama. Because to a degree, uh, I kind of I, I like earth i i kind of like the day-to-day stories that star trek sometimes tells and i kind of do would rather see the sitcom where it's barkley and deanna troy and their adventures in working on starfleet on earth like i think that would be a funny show to watch yeah that that's actually yeah i mean that's true i think in a lot of ways it's kind of like oh this is a much more interesting show to watch than what we get on voyager a lot of the times and I know that's something that you've you know, mentioned and made jokes about, like the the Starfleet, the the day to day Starfleet administration show. But I mean, sir, again, I I don't like Discovery. I I would rather I I want to see the mundane day to day stuff of this universe. I I think that would be a cool show. Well, it's kind of interesting, right? Because we get a look at, at what's been going on with this Midas project and this array that they're building and, you know, the kind of like administrative tasks of, of Starfleet yeah. personnel that are that are on Earth. And, you know, it all seems fine. Like they go to work, they go home, they have nice apartments, like it's fine. Um, but it's also the case that like this isn't kind of, I mean, is the implication here that these are not the best of the best? I, I don't know. And like, well, why would they be like, why would they be adjudicating this process from Earth? Why wouldn't they be doing it from Deep Space Nine? Because that's what they said, that it's like really close to Deep Space Nine. So it's kind of odd for that reason. But of course it doesn't work because like you have to have Admiral Paris, who's based on Earth, to be in the episode to have a yeah. link back to, to our series. And it's really, I mean, it's just a very I think it's just a very hard episode to talk about because there's so many elements to it which are just bizarre for the purposes of an actual Star Trek television series. That are, it's like, what? Deanna Troy and Barkley? You're telling us an episode of Star Trek Voyager is about <laughs> Deanna Troy and Barkley? This is really weird. And But then we get these moments where Barkley is in the holodeck recreation of Voyager. And the characters are obviously fictional representations of who he thinks they are and they're sort of like wish fulfillment and he is 
smooth and they're playing poker and he's the coolest and everyone he is loves the guy. him and everyone wants to sleep with him. Right. And it's it's fun for that reason, but it really does make the actual characters of Voyager feel less dynamic in comparison because I don't know, like, don't the fictional versions of Harry Kim and Tom Paris and Chakotay and Galanis and Janeway seem more fun than the real ones? Yeah, and I mean, maybe it's simply because Barkley is used to living in a TNG-style world where everybody is acting pretty TNG, and so the TNG-style versions of the Voyager cast may just simply be a bit more pleasant. Yeah, that could be. I mean, for sure. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, who's he going to base Janeway on? Picard. I mean, that's the captain that he thinks. Bellani is probably takes a lot of traits from his re- remembering Geordi. Uh, like, like these may be things going on in uh, in in his head during that. This may be how their personalities are based on. Yeah, that could be. But then why is he so obsessed with getting a hold of Voyager? I think that's the open question that that is at the heart of this episode. And, you know, this episode does hinge on Barkley getting contact with the ship. And I think that that watching this well, episode, I mean, it doesn't necessarily did it come as a surprise at the end of the episode ends with a communication between Starfleet and and Voyager. I mean, it doesn't really, right? I mean, that kind no. of has to happen. It, it that that would be a uh, uh, that would be upsetting if that did not happen. It ends in Barkley gets court-martialed and stripped of his command, and that's it. <laughs> He's he he ends up in a Federation uh, penal colony. That, that that would not be a happy ending to this episode. That's not the ending I want. No. Um, I guess realm of fear. That's the transporter phobia one. Yeah. What. One of the sale, I really liked that episode for Barkley because it does end with him proving why he's on the Enterprise. He does recognize that, yes, I need to get over my transporter fear because I need to save these people that I care about. No matter what, when it comes to the end of the day, when it's at the end of the day, Barkley is a Starfleet person and he is going to do the right thing, even if it means a bit of sacrifice. And. I think he is still a person who does want to do everything to solve the problem. It's not – even though he's obsessed with Voyager, he th- that makes him even the more want him to get home. I mean this episode makes it clear that what he is doing on the face isn't so bad, but it is the degree of it. Him doing a simulation from inside Voyager, yes, that might be a different perspective. That is something which allows him to – figure out the problem yes getting to know the files of the people that he's saving if that gives him more motivation to 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 save them then sure go for that but it's the fact that he's spending all his day there the fact that he's not even going to dinner with his boss like the the, the fact that he is completely ignoring the real world even though the real world is giving him very is worried about him and giving him invitations to enjoy it that's where yeah, the problem I, of this episode yeah, is. Well, no, I, yeah, no, I think that's right because I think in a lot of ways, you know, regardless of everything else that, that we've said about this episode, it's a good Barkley episode. I mean, he gets yeah. – he's respected in the episode. I mean, well, he's respected by the episode. He gets a, a little bit of an arc. He gets a little bit of a redemption arc in terms of – 
Deanna Troy coming and sort of like counseling him a little bit and 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 getting him a little bit more, um, you know, sort of like in tune with with what's going on in his life. And he get, meets the woman at the end of the episode, and she likes cats, and it's all very cute. His boss isn't doing isn't the antagonist of the episode because he's an asshole. He's doing it because he's genuinely beginning to worry about his employee, his friend. Even he he yeah. he recognizes that this is a guy who's had some troubles. I certainly put him in a position where I think he can thrive. He's really into this project, but now he's going off the deep end and he's doing some really bad stuff. And we need he's he's worried as hell about him the entire episode. Certainly, yes. But what is also really nice about that is is Barkley is right. You know, I mean, certainly he is not uh, doing well emotionally or perhaps mentally, but he is still able to pull this off and he is still able to his theory is proved correct. And at the end of the episode, you know, Admiral Paris gets a chance to to tell us Sonny loves him. And and yeah, that's a really nice moment. And I think that, you know, it'll be curious, you know, I, I mean, are you curious to see where that goes? I guess is the is the question. Like now that they have demonstrably proved that it is possible for Starfleet and the Voyager yeah. to be in communication, not just to send messages back and forth like they were doing yeah. before, but actually yeah, have a two way, you know, synchronous communication, verbal communication. I mean, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, and it's made very clear in the episode they're working on getting this more permanently. They will be able to coordinate more um it may take the rest of the season for that to happen but that is happening i mean i am curious how much of this episode is doing a bit of seeding because again they know they've got maybe another season you know they've got this season and maybe one more and we need to start taking this home and sure having contact with starfleet is a good major step every time they've it, it is progress from where they have taken this this relationship, and it does make it seem like they are even closer to home than they ever have been for been before. It's a very nice, hopeful acceleration that we're getting there. I mean, the Voyager conspiracy only sped them three years ahead, but we've been getting a lot of those lately. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, certainly, I mean, the series is coming to a close. I mean, it's coming to a close yeah. pretty rapidly. You know, I think I mentioned before that they kind of knew they were going to get seven seasons. And that's yeah, yeah, going yeah. to be it because that's what happened to TNG and DS9. So they're, yeah, they're they're starting to think about how they want to, you know, shake up the, the status quo of the show a little bit yeah. and, and get Voyager home, which, you know, I don't think it's going to be any shock to you that, that, that hmm. they do get home. I mean, they're not going to end this series with just like well voyager never made it home we're not going to get a quantum leap style and or something you know what i mean yeah 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 um i don't know if they have their ending in mind yet i don't know if we've seen a couple pieces in play that are going to i frankly especially considering that we're getting one more showrunner don't think that that's what's going on here but there is a sense of things slowly coming to an ending. We are reckoning with our past at Voyager. Voyager is looking at where it's come the past few years and knowing that it doesn't have much long, much further to go. It is much, much, much more journey behind it than ahead of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, the last thing I'll mention before we wrap this episode up is we have reached a milestone, Richard. This, according to Memory Alpha, was the last episode of Star Trek to air 
in the 20th century. Oh, wow. Well, depending on whether or not you think that the year 2000 is in the 21st century or not. And if you think it's not, you're wrong. Yeah, it's the century. The millennium is different. But anyway, um, and I like that even Voyager made fun of that. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) God, all of that millennium bullshit. It was fun to live through. All right. I think we'll call it an episode. If you have any thoughts on either of the episodes we just talked about, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at truckaboutshow.com. As I said earlier, you can check out our Patreon. Patreon.com slash truckaboutshow is where you can go to financially support this podcast. Something you might be interested to listen to if you give us $5 a month or more is our patron special we released this month, August, on the Star Trek novel Q-in-Law. Yay! For some reason. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, we are there. Truck About Show is our username in all those places. And as always, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, on any other podcast platform that has reviews. That would be great. It will give us people a chance to find the show. All right. It's the best way of new listeners to listen to you. That is very, very true. All right. Next week, we are going to be talking about the Voyager episodes, Fairhaven and Blink of an Eye. <laughs>